Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've never been one to shy away from a challenge. 20 years as a Navy SEAL taught me that much. But nothing, absolutely nothing, could have prepared me for the mission that would turn my world upside down, challenge everything I believed in, and leave me questioning the very fabric of reality. It started as a routine search and rescue operation in the Canadian wilderness. A brutal winter storm had hit, and a group of hikers had gone missing. Our team, seasoned in survival and combat, was airlifted into the area 
ready to face the elements and bring those hikers home. The wilderness of Montreal is unforgiving in the winter. The snow blankets, everything, silencing footsteps and hiding dangers. We were prepared for the cold, the isolation, and even the possibility of not finding the hikers alive. What we weren't prepared for was the horror we stumbled upon instead. Three days into the mission, we found the first body. Not just lost to the cold, but torn apart. It was a scene straight out of a nightmare. Something no animal we knew could have done. That's when we heard the stories from the locals. A tale of a creature, part man, part beast, that roamed the wilderness. A Sasquatch-like entity, they said, responsible for a series of cannibalistic murders stretching back generations, always in the deepest cold of winter. Skeptical but unnerved, we pressed on, deeper into the heart of the wilderness. The snow seemed to swallow us, the vast white expanse broken only by the dark silhouettes of towering pines, and the occasional blood-red splash against the pristine snow, reminders of the violence that had occurred here. Then we saw them. At first, just shadows moving between the trees, too quick to be real. But as we ventured further, the encounters became more frequent, more tangible. We found tracks, enormous footprints, unlike any animal known to man, leading us into the depths of the forest. I remember the first time I saw one, truly saw one. It was twilight, the sky a deep indigo, when a figure stepped out onto the path ahead of us. It stood on two legs, towering, covered in thick, dark fur, its eyes reflecting the dying light fixed on us with an intelligence that was unmistakably human. Then it was gone, disappearing into the darkness as quickly as it had appeared. Panic set in. We were trained for combat, for survival. But how do you fight a myth? How do you battle a legend that has stalked the nightmares of men for centuries? Our mission changed then. It was no longer about search and rescue. It was about survival, about getting out of those woods alive. But they were watching us, always just out of sight, always just a step behind. We could hear them at night, the low, guttural sounds they made, communicating in a language that was as ancient as the forest itself. In the end, we discovered there weren't just one or two of them. There were tribes, entire communities that had lived hidden from the world, emerging only in the deep freeze of winter when the world was silent and white. When we finally made it back to civilization, battered, frostbitten, but alive, we told our story. We spoke of the things we had seen, the horrors we had witnessed. But the government dismissed our claims, labeled our encounter the result of stress and isolation. They sent us back to the USA with a warning to keep quiet about what we had seen. But silence is not in my nature. I know what I saw, what we all saw out there in the deep wilderness of Montreal. And while the world may not be ready to believe in creatures of myth and legend, I know the truth. I've seen it with my own eyes. So here I am, sharing my story with you. Maybe you'll believe me, maybe you won't. But if you ever find yourself in the Canadian wilderness in the dead of winter, remember my words. The world is far stranger, far more mysterious, and far more terrifying than you could ever imagine.
My grandfather, a brave man who served in the Special Forces during World War II, had a story he always told us. He never lied about it, and it's a story that still sends shivers down my spine. It was the story of that one fateful night in a small German village. They were air dropped into this nondescript hamlet far behind enemy lines. Their mission was to capture and secure a small barracks for a temporary base. My grandfather and his team of elite soldiers knew the stakes were high, but they had no idea they were about to encounter something beyond their wildest nightmares. It was a dark night, the kind of night where shadows seemed to stretch infinitely. The village was shrouded in silence, and the only sounds were the hushed whispers of the team as they moved stealthily. They secured the barracks, making it their temporary refuge in the enemy territory. But then the night took a sinister turn. There was something out there lurking in the shadows. My grandfather's words painted a vivid picture of the unknown predator. He described it as being approximately eight feet tall with dark gray fur that had hints of brown. Its mane resembled that of a male lion, though shorter hair covered its body and legs. The chilling part was that it walked upright on its back legs, eerily human-like, but as it drew closer to them, it dropped onto all fours, ready to pounce. Panic ensued as the soldiers opened fire, desperate to protect themselves from the creature that had emerged from the darkness. But the beast was relentless. It lunged at one of the soldiers, tackling him to the ground with ferocious power. In the chaos that followed, the creature tore into the unfortunate soldier, his screams of agony piercing the night. The team continued to fire, bullets tearing into the night, but their efforts seemed futile against this relentless predator. It was as though it defied the laws of nature, a nightmarish aberration that should never exist. As the night wore on and the creature continued its gruesome feast, the team was forced to retreat to the relative safety of the barracks. They huddled together, fear and confusion gripping their hearts as they tried to make sense of the horrifying encounter. Morning brought no solace, no answers. When they ventured outside, the village was eerily silent and there was no trace of the creature. The fallen soldiers' remains had vanished, leaving behind only a grisly memory etched in their minds. My grandfather's story of that horrifying night always stuck with me. My husband, Errol, and I had been married for 32 years. We owned a cottage on Cable Lake in the Sister Lakes in Dalek Lock, Michigan. Our cottage was a place we cherished, but as the late 1950s rolled in, we noticed significant development in the area. Surprisingly, we found ourselves appreciating the development as it seemed to blend harmoniously with the natural beauty of the lake area. One early Friday evening in mid-July, we made the drive up to our cottage looking forward to a week-long stay. I stepped out to the backyard, which overlooked the lake, and took in the serene early evening. That's when I noticed something unusual on the far shore of Cable Lake. Errol joined me, and we both spotted an animal on the far shore. Look at that, Errol remarked. I couldn't take my eyes off the creature. We were transfixed, mesmerized. We didn't know what it was. It was clearly wildlife, but due to the distance and the weeds, we couldn't make out its identity, I recalled. 
Then it stood up. I shuddered, saying, The thing stared as though it were looking at us. I don't know what was more frightening, seeing that giant animal standing like a man, or the fact that it seemed to be looking at us. Errol told the Chicago Sun-Times, I think we were only curious until it took a step into the lake toward us. Then it was walking into the lake toward us. I got scared and took Sally inside. Inside the house, we discussed what we had seen and what we should do about it. Errol didn't want to involve the sheriff, suspecting it might have been a prank by local teenagers. We decided to go back to our rear porch for drinks to relax. But instead of enjoying the sunset, we noticed bubbles trailing toward our beach below. That's when we knew something was terribly wrong. We rushed back inside to call the police, trying to be cautious with our choice of words to avoid sounding paranoid. As the sun set on the lake, Errol recalled me gasping. I knew something was terribly wrong. I was looking out of the beach window. I dropped the phone and ran over and saw it a large, long-armed creature standing on our beach. It was glistening wet and just staring up at our house. Years later, I affirmed, we ran for the car. Arrow backed out, and that thing was already standing behind us. We drove away, but something was wrong with the car. There was a loud bang and a scrape, but we kept driving. I later asserted that thing was some kind of supernatural being. We made the difficult decision to sell our cherished cottage and never return. At first, our neighbors reported loud noises, but when questioned further, we chose not to discuss the matter. It wasn't until 1972, after Errol and I had retired to Florida, that we confided in a former neighbor who still maintained a property in the area. This revelation was later confirmed by Sheldon Stein, who was doing research on a vacation home circular for Chicago residents. I'm not a creepy person. I don't have a creepy life. I've never had a scary story to tell, none that were true up until now. And I'm not trying to be dramatic with that. I'm scared, but... Nothing significant has happened, to be honest with you. I'm posting this here because I know you guys are the only ones who would, uh, listen, and B, actually give me advice. I live in a rural area. The only house even close to me is roughly two miles away, the next being ten plus. I have no family, really. I do have a girlfriend. She stays for a few days here and there. Enough backstory. Every now and again, I will go outside behind my house in the woods and just walk. I'll sometimes find old things, old coca, cola bottles, old roller skates, even half a toilet once. It's just interesting. I'll do it usually in the mornings that I'm off of work. Recently, my girlfriend was over. It was nearing night, and we got into a little argument about something I won't go into here. I ended up deciding I was going to just walk away so it wouldn't escalate. So I do what I do, and go out back. I walk for nearly a mile when it hits me. Shit, the sun went down fast. I decide to start making my way back, and then it starts. This sound. This god-awful, horrifying sound. I don't get scared easily living out here. You hear a lot at night. There have been black bears in my yard. But this, this is something else. It sounded like an old man was choking and screaming for help in a different language. 
I know that might sound boring, but once you hear it, it's terrible. I stop in my tracks and wedge myself into a nearly hollow dying tree's trunk. While doing so, I also scream, Hey, who's there? Yeah, all right. I'm scared shitless, but if it is someone I don't want to say, I didn't try. I guess I don't hear it now. It's completely dark at this point, so I try to think about what it could be and how I'm getting home as the sound had came from the direction of my house. I wait for probably 30 minutes in that tree. I decided this. I'm a man and I have to get home. Then that movie-like moment happens when I step out of the tree and immediately hear it again, this time louder but in the opposite direction. Had it passed me without my knowing, or was there another? I had no clue, but I'm not leaving this tree. I hear it several more times over the course of 30-plus minutes. I'm ashamed as a 27-year-old man that I stayed the night in the woods in the tree until morning. I never really slept, but I wasn't necessarily awake, if you know what I mean. On the border between the two the whole time, every time I thought I heard something, it would jolt me awake. Then I would slowly drift off again, and so on. The sun began to rise, and I decided to stay awake at this point. I was wide awake for nearly an hour before I decided to make a run for my house. I get home, burst in the back door, and cue the girlfriend, where the F were you? I was worried, and you just left in our fight. Answer me. I deserved all of that and more. I waited a second before telling her that I went for a walk to blow off some steam and just decided to sleep in the barn in the woods about a mile and a half behind the house. She bought it, but I was still scared. Night came again. My girlfriend decided to spend another night because she didn't feel right leaving the day after a fight. I was so happy. She's an early sleeper. When nine came around, she had enough of being awake and decided to head to bed, telling me she'd wake me in the morning before she left. I usually don't go to bed until around 12, 1 a.m. I sit watching TV for about an hour, then I grab my dad's old shotgun. I don't hunt, but I keep it for safety. I put on a headlamp, put a box of bullets, water, a lighter, and a flashlight in my bag, and went out back. I walked to the same tree, got in. It is large enough to sit Indian, style in, just the entrance is small, and waited. I waited for two plus hours. It's here. I hear that sound again. And again. And now in harmony. There had to be at least four. I clenched the gun. It was loaded. And I was ready to see what the hell this was. But read it. I forgot that I'm a wuss. I sat there waiting like a coward this time, however, I noticed. None of the sounds were coming from the direction of my house. So before they started coming from that direction... I tucked my tail between my legs and jogged home, trying not to be too loud. I got home and googled everything I could think of. Animals that sound like men, old men sound from woods, animals known to my area, and kept going in this pattern, and I kept clicking on everything. Then a website with audio files came my way. I clicked play on one of the files, and my heart stopped. It was the sound the exact sound. It was uncanny. I looked at the title of the auto, and it was titled Samurai Chatter. I looked up the exact phrase, and I'm not saying I believe in Sasquatch, but that's all that came up. That it was supposedly their language. I don't know what it is, but I have heard it. I'm not stopping here. 
I have a cousin coming over this weekend who's agreed to hike out there with me and look for it. My girlfriend knows nothing of it. Wish me luck. While you're at it, Google Samurai Chatter. Two nights ago, I was driving home around 3 a.m. and did a rolling stop through an intersection in a suburban area. I looked to the right as I was crossing the intersection and saw a humanoid creature sitting cross, leg in the middle of the street to the right. It was hunched over with its back towards me. The creature was naked, bald, and completely hairless. I couldn't completely judge its height because of its position, but it appeared to be around six feet tall, quite thin, and extremely, extremely pale, nearly completely white skin, not what I would consider a normal human skin tone. I couldn't reverse to have a second look because there was a car a few paces behind me, but the driver behind me turned right and just kept going, as if nothing was there. After a slight hesitation, I pulled over and got out of my car to check the scene, but the creature was nowhere to be seen. Does anyone have any ideas about what I might have spotted? I'm very sure that whatever it was wasn't a human, or at least not one that looks like any I've seen before. Okay, first off, I'm not sure this is a crawler, however, that is the closest thing to it that I can find. It seems to share many similarities with them, but I don't know. I'm interested in thoughts of what it may be. Note, this all happened a long time ago, and the dates of my age are the best of my recollection. I moved to a rural area of the North Georgia, or Alabama Mountains. Sand Mountain was the name of the place. It was connected to Dade County, Georgia, but right over the state line in Higgin, Alabama, I was around eight years old. When I first got there, it was a total culture shock having moved from a large urban area in the southwest. I vividly remember driving through a virtual, the Sea of Green, right outside of Atlanta. The novelty of the trees soon wore off, and I dove back into a book to stave off the boredom of a long drive to my new home. At some point, I started to feel really uneasy, so I told my mom. She wrote it off as a symptom if the major life change or something to that effect. I did my best to just accept it as nothing more than that. But the anxiety and sense of oppression got a lot worse. It seemed that that heavy feeling directly correlated to the proximity to my new home. That was a feeling that I would live with for more than a decade. I would soon find out that it was nothing in relation to what I would soon experience. I can't say how long it was until it started, but it, it had to be a few months after we moved into a little trailer at the end of a long driveway. In the clearing of the woods, our closest neighbor was well over a mile away. My room was on the opposite end of the trailer as my mother and her husband's room. I had a huge bay window, which will be important in a minute. So it all started kinda odd one night I couldn't sleep despite being tired from exploring the acres of woods that I now resided in. So I'm lying there, cartoon network in the dark, trying to fall asleep. Very suddenly, I'm deep in the woods in the southeast of the property. It was a place that I had been before, but not really much all thing I did recognize it. 
It was the strangest feeling like being a passenger in another's mind, seeing through their eyes, but having no control, just along for the ride. It was disorienting, to say the least. It exponentially worsened when whatever it was started to move. It was an unnatural speed, predatory and precise, kind of reminiscent of the way an animal would stalk its prey, darting from cover to cover tree to tree. It was a blur until it stopped again, just giving me the time I needed to regain my bearings as much as I was able. This only lasted for a few seconds, and I sat back to my own body again, laying in bed. It was such a strange feeling, and I didn't want to even think about it. I didn't want it to be real. The next night it happened again, and the next, and the next. After a few days, I realized that each time it was for a bit longer, and it definitely seemed to allow me to see through it for longer each night. I can't say how long this lasted, but it was long enough to be a commonplace event every night. One night I was coming up to the clearing that the trailer was in. As I realized this, though, my consciousness was in this thing's mind to some degree. An all-consuming sense of dread started to rise up in me, worsening with every brief pace behind cover. No thinking back this thing didn't seem to operate in any sense of time and space that we are accustomed to, because it would pick up every night in the place that I left its mind, or whatever, but I don't think it was us frozen there till the next day. I think it was playing some sort of game or something kind of like when an orca plays with a seal or a cat with a mouse. As my terror reached a crescendo, I was suddenly ejected back to myself. I don't know if I did it or it had killed whatever link it had made or what, but it was different this time. I sat straight up and turned toward the window. I just knew that it was there, that it was a few feet outside of the tree line. As much as I didn't want to, I still gathered myself up and looked out that bay window at the tree line. It was there, leaning from behind a large tree right at the edge of the woods. It was tall, very tall, and its skin was taut like it was stretched over its bones. But I don't really remember any detail of its skeletal anatomy. All its features were grotesquely elongated like they were stretched out purposely. It had long clawed fingers that curled around into the common sign that you would use to beckon someone closer to you. Its face was large and humanoid, but with that same stretched out look. It had a smile that was impossibly wide and large, long, sharp teeth, skinny and needle-like. Its eyes were really big, even with that for its size. It just stood there staring at me through my window, cocked its head, and motioned for me to come to it. I call it the Gray Man, although it had no discernible gender. It was an animal terror, unlike anything I have ever felt but I found myself having to actively fight an almost uncontrollable impulse to go out to it. It was like it could almost compelling me to go with it to the forest. After what seemed like forever, I was able to pull myself away from the window and crawl back into bed. All I could do the rest of that night was wait for it to get tired of waiting and decide to come to me. It never did, and when the sun finally came out, I couldn't feel it anymore. This was the new normal for me. Almost every night it would come back and wait and watch. The compulsion lessened eventually, though, which was the only real silver lining. I stopped sleeping a lot and would 
spend the nights in the living room as much as I could, which wasn't often. After quite some time of living with this thing appearing all the time in different places, it got closer at night. I don't have a total memory of this night exactly, or I guess I should say that I don't have a complete memory. I think I gave it away in something else. After being plagued by this thing for quite a while, it was really getting to me. I wasn't sleeping, which affected lots of other areas of my life. This, in connection with a tumultuous environment, was quickly pushing me to a breaking point. One night I awoke to this thing, something different perched on the bottom railing of my bed. The only way I can describe it was kind of like the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. It looked much different than that character, but it's as close to an analog as I can come up with. It told me that it would get rid of the gray man, but for a price. The fawn had a different energy to it than the gray man did, but I don't think it was something that was of good intent, a mild, almost predatory opportunism at best. I was, however, desperate and exhausted, so whatever it wanted from me, whatever price it required, I paid it. It did indeed keep up its end of the bargain until I ended up accidentally opening up the door for this thing to re-enter. Some years later, my life did return to a kind of normal well in some ways. When I was 20, I had a job driving a long-haul truck in one fateful night. I found myself on the lonesome road heading home around 10 p.m. My place was situated several miles north of town, right off a quiet state highway, a route I had traveled countless times. As I cruised down the dark, desolate road, my mind wandered through the events of the day, and I could feel the fatigue settling in. The only source of light was my truck's headlights, casting a small bubble of visibility ahead. But then something caught my eye, a glowing orb rising above one of the mountains. At first I thought it was the moon, as it appeared to be a perfect round sphere, bathed in that pale ethereal light. But then the strangest thing happened. This moon began moving at a speed no celestial body should ever be capable of. It darted behind the mountain, as if it had somewhere to be, leaving me bewildered and staring after it. I continued my journey, albeit with an uneasy feeling in the pit of my stomach. The rest of the drive home was spent wrestling with thoughts of what I had just witnessed. Something about it was entirely off, kilter, and it didn't sit right with me. The full moon should never move like that. By the time I reached home, I was super freaked out. Before heading inside, I took one last look at the night sky, perhaps hoping for a rational explanation or some sign that it was just my imagination playing tricks on me. And there it was, high up in the sky the real moon, casting its soft, silvery glow on the world. Whatever I had seen earlier darting behind that mountain was unquestionably not the moon. I shuddered at the thought of what it might have been. It remained an unsettling mystery, one that would haunt my thoughts for nights to come. As a professional trucker, I had crisscrossed countless highways and byways, but several years back I found myself in an eerily memorable situation while visiting my best buddy in Vernal, Utah. He'd forewarned me about a stretch of highway notorious for violent crimes, 
mysterious disappearances, and chilling tales of scalpings. At the time, I'd brushed off his warning as a ribbing, convinced he was just messing with me, so I playfully called him out on it. It was a beautiful sunny day when I departed Vernal to make my way back to Idaho a couple of weeks later, just as the clock ticked close to midnight. The terrain was shrouded in darkness as I pressed forward on the lonesome road. My skepticism about my friend's ominous tales had me at ease. After all, my daytime journey had been nothing more than a routine drive. However, as the minutes rolled by, a sense of unease started to creep in. Suddenly, my truck's headlights caught something up ahead, sending a shiver down my spine. There, in the middle of the road, was an SUV, its emergency blinkers flashing desperately, and its driver and passenger doors wide open. It straddled the highway, partially blocking both lanes. My heart raced, and my mind raced back to the warnings from my friend, his stories about this very road, the bizarre occurrences, the inexplicable disappearances. They all came rushing back. I knew I couldn't afford to take any chances. My foot slammed the accelerator, and I made a split, second decision to veer off the road, just enough to slip past the open doors of the stranded SUV without stopping. I live in Greene County in southwestern Pennsylvania and have been a firefighter for over 15 years. We have a ghost in our fire department. It's an old member who died many years ago, and many of our members, myself included, have had experiences with Uncle Al, as we call him. There have been many times where someone has experienced sounds, noises, and just odd feelings while being in the fire department. We have had a game room added to our department. After our member had already died, so he cannot pass into the new room, but you can feel his presence in the doorway. One of the most memorable experiences I have had with Uncle Al was one day when I was in the engine bay office with two members, Ken and myself. This has occurred before when I was alone. We could hear chairs being knocked off of the tables in our social hall. We went upstairs to investigate and all the chairs looked like they were pushed off the tables. Ken and I went back downstairs and left everything as is, and not long later, maybe ten minutes, we heard the chairs moving again. We went back upstairs, and all the chairs were set back up onto the tables. I'm not making this up. Another experience with Uncle Al occurred when I was standing in the bathroom, which is in the social hall, the part where Al can roam around. It was about midnight, and I looked out the window at least five minutes previous and noticed no members' cars except mine were in the lot. Soon I heard someone calling my name. The sounds were coming from the doorway to the stairwell. I can also hear people walking around in the bays again and people stepping on the grates on the floor. I went downstairs to investigate, looking out the window again. There were no cars in the lot. I go to the door to the engine bays and see that the lights are off. There is always the sense of being watched by Uncle Al, be it one person or ten people in the firehouse. You can always feel the presence of someone or something watching you. Denver Airport, 1.30 a.m. I was ill and traveling all the way from NYC to Colorado to see a physician who specialized in A.C. 
bladder disease that mimics cancer. I have never been in a huge airport, and it was very quiet. Few people and I had no idea where to go off these subway train things. Plus, no one was around for me to ask, which way do I go? As I was standing in this tunnel after getting off the train, I was looking around and down the long hallways for a bathroom. Part of my medical issue is a constant need to urinate. Anyway, I saw a weird, very tall sculpture, kind of like a dinosaur, but with alligator skin and a lizard face with big eyes. It didn't move, and because I saw a lot of weird things at the main entry of the airport, I assumed it was another freaky art thing. But my phone rang. It was Dr. Brookoff asking if I was at the airport. As I turned to go in the direction he explained to me, the weird tall lizard-looking thing was gone, just vanished. This was in March of 2006. Dr. Brookoff has passed since then, and in my opinion, under suspicious circumstances. At that time, I hadn't heard of reptilians. I was watching Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura and looked it up. I know what I saw now. 100% sure that was a reptilian. I am so grateful to God and Dr. Brookoff for picking me up that night. The Denver International Airport definitely has some strange murals and other oddities. I wrote a piece in November 2011, which I posted below. I don't know what Heidi Jo witnessed, but her story doesn't surprise me. There's been a variety of speculation since the facility opened in 1994 including several conspiracy theories about underground tunnels and symbolism used in art throughout the concourse and terminals. I've heard that certain groups are tied to the airport, including the Illuminati and the Freemasons, that the Denver area is where the establishment of the Western sector of the New World Order will be in the United States. The capstone, or the dedication stone, for the Denver airport does have a Masonic symbol on it but many other public buildings throughout the world do as well. It has been said that Phil Schneider of Dulce Space fame said that during the last year of the airport construction, they were connecting the underground airport system to a deep underground base. He hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Stated that there was at least an eight-level deep underground base there, and that there was a four-square-mile underground city, and an 88-square-mile bow base underneath the airport. 
Many of these supposed deep underground facilities located in the United States have been linked to the congregation of alien beings, including greys and reptilians. I'm sure that you can find the interview online. For many years, I've been receiving inquiries about the Denver International Airport and the strange anomalies that supposedly occur there. A former Denver Broncos player told me that he would absolutely freaked out each time he and the team would fly out of there and that he wasn't the only person on the team to express their discontent with the place. Okay. This took a lot of courage because I've been ridiculed so much for what happened to me. My grandfather owned a cabin. I'm not disclosing the location of it due to the fact that I don't want anything to happen to anyone. Anyway, my grandfather's cabin was his way of getting the family together for the holidays so he could have a nice Sunday dinner with all of us. One day, all of a sudden, it all stopped abruptly. He wouldn't allow anyone but himself to visit the cabin we all looked forward to going too and cherished. For years, I would ask him why he was doing that. He never told me why, but when he passed, he left the place to me. I inherited the cabin of my childhood and was ecstatic about that. It was soon after that I realized why he did. What he did, I would go out and walk the woods on game trails, which are everywhere. I know these woods like I know my own home so I never had any reason to fear them. It was on one of these walks that I encountered what people called dogmen. I was walking just like any other time. Nothing was different. It was then, on one of the game trails, I noticed an offshoot, small trail that went only six to seven feet back. I could see that something had bedded down there. I thought it was a deer. I then walked in the bedded area. I soon realized that this was an ambush point for whatever made this bedded area, and it was massive. My arm hair stood erect, and a chill literally ran down my spine. I felt as if I was being watched from different vantage points. Since it was nighttime, I had a tracking flashlight in my sidearm, the latter of which I drew and kept at the ready. I genuinely feared for my life at this point. All of a sudden, an ungodly growl was made to my right, about 10 to 15 yards from me, very close indeed. I pissed myself. It was so terrifying. I didn't immediately run, fearing that whatever it was might take me as threatening. I turned and started heading back on the main trail, and when I was about five minutes from the back door of my cabin, this thing let out a howl that I swear felt like it went right through my body. I then proceeded to run. As soon as I did, this thing was chasing me. For every five steps I took, this thing was taking one. That's how fast this dogman was. I heard the sounds of branches being ripped off trees, and I could have sworn I felt the vibrations of it running after me. I barely made it to my cabin and slammed the door, locking the two deadbolts and chain lock. I then turned on my spotlight and shined it into the tree line. There were three sets of eyes in the tree line that shined vivid yellow with enormous black pupils. I felt as if the thing could read my mind, but I'm not sure it could. All I know is that I'm alive and have since heard them many times, but I don't take night hikes anymore in heaven for years.
That night, my buddy and I were camping on an open hill that is frequently stopped on by hikers during the days the trail is open. We were both having trouble getting to sleep, so we decided to play some cards, which I had packed in my bag at about this time was when our fire was getting quiet and it was dimming. The time was one, 10 a.m., just minutes after I had taken out my cards and started dealing them out. I heard the strangest sound. It's hard to explain what it sounded like, but I'll try. It was like someone trying to gasp for air, but in a creepy, high-pitched sound. The noise was sporadic, and hair-raising, we stopped talking and gave each other a look. He said it must be some sort of bird. But in the pitch dark of the first morning hours, and these were deep noise I heard, not some damn bird. I wanted to believe my friend, but couldn't I started getting drowsy due to a long day of hiking. I fell into a light sleep, still keeping in mind what I had. A rustling in some bushes had awoken me, but not my friend. I sat up, bumping my head on the hot lantern that had been out for almost twenty minutes. I looked around as if I could actually see anything outside the tent. I heard heavy yet quiet footsteps on the light dirt and gravel ground. Slowly I reached into the stuffed sack where I kept my skin-diving knife as I was carefully sliding it out of the sheath. I heard the crumpling of the power bar wrappers that had been already half-eaten. That's when my friend awoke with the words, What the hell is outside our tent? I didn't answer. The crumpling of the wrappers continued as it did. The smell became apparent. It smelled like rotten eggs mashed over a greasy, sweaty athlete. Then a huge body rubbed against our tent from the dent in the dark. I could tell this being was enormous. Eventually the smell was gone, and we both were awake till dawn. We had packed in the dark when there didn't seem to be a threat, so when dawn came we quickly pulled down our two-person tent and got the F out of Dodge. We were transiting the Straits of Hormuz at night, probably 1970. One and suddenly held a radar contact close and dead ahead. Its position relative to us was steady bearing, decreasing range as if a vessel was going to collide with our destroyer. The Ud and the rest of the bridge watch saw no lights or any evidence of an approaching vessel. Minutes go by, tension mounts. The captain is called to the bridge. The radar contact gets closer and closer until it disappears at the center of our radar scope. No collision. There was no vessel, as it turns out. In checking later, the navigation chart showed a high overhead cable that was reflecting and returning our radar beam. Not me, but my father back in his commercial fishing days noticed that there was a t-shirt in the middle of his net after one toe. After a little investigation, he found that it was not a shirt, but a human torso wearing a shirt. He said he was terrified that he would open the net and a head would roll out onto his feet, but it didn't happen. His captain radioed ahead and they brought the torso back to the docks where they were met by the police and a coroner. They were eventually able to identify the body, based on the clothing, as a victim of a plane crash that had occurred fairly recently. My dad said he offered a free lobster to the coroner, who graciously accepted it until he found out that it had been found in the net with the body. After that, he got angry and told him to throw it back. 
I had an old teacher in high school that used to be in the Navy. He told us stories about how he had to repair the things at the top of the pole that stick straight out from the center of the ship. Yes, my naval terminology is crap. Think it was related to a satellite or just a light bulb or something. Anyways, he says that when you're so high up and the ocean is tilting the boat from side to side, you're basically above the water instead of above the deck of the boat. If you were to fall off at that moment, you'd land directly into the black ocean. He said there were times when he had to climb up to talk down one of the new guys who couldn't climb down. I'm in the Navy, and at the time of this anecdote, I was part of a security detachment for a freighter off the coast of Iran. It was a few hours into my watch probably around one on a gun mount, when a small fishing vessel near the horizon starts beaming our ship with a high-powered laser pointer. This is actually a pretty common occurrence in the area, but I reported to my superior to make sure they were aware. About two or three minutes later, I look back over to where the vessel was to check on it, and it's gone. It was the middle of the night in the ocean, but my naked eyes should have picked up the boat with relative ease. I put on my night vision goggles and scanned the same area forward of the ship. Nothing. Literally nothing. No vessel, no stars, no horizon. Just nothing. I felt like I was tired. Perhaps my night watch was getting to my head. I took off the goggles and did some jumping jacks and push-ups for a few minutes and took another look. That's when I saw it, an impending wall of gray. No start, no beginning. Just gray. Fog, heavy, thick fog, thicker than any fog I've ever seen. With the moments, every metal surface was coated in mist. I could not see more than twenty or so feet in any direction. It was eerie the civilians piloting the ship didn't use any horns or anything. We just sailed through the dense cloud. I couldn't even see the water. My only perception of speed was the thick mist moving past me. Luckily, nothing happened. But when you're standing an armed watch on a big freighter near Iran, in waters that have had reports of pirates, and your most important sense is taken away from you, I couldn't help but imagine what could happen as we moved through that dense fog for what seemed like 20 minutes. One late night, around 3 a.m., I was sitting at my home on PC, watching movies, playing games, etc., when I noticed him out of cigarettes. The only thing that works late at night is our local gas station, not too far from my home, but still, it's easier to go with car. I took my car keys and locked my house, and I went to gas station. I live in small European country, which is the most safe country on planet, still, that doesn't mean that some bad things don't happen here and there. When you exit from a suburban area where I live, you need take right so you can take main road. After that, you just go straight for about half kilometer and then go left for another half kilometer to get to gas station. On halfway, I noticed some girl on sidewalk. I usually drive slower at night, because at that time, a lot of people would speed and go on red during the night time walking faster than usual. It looked like she panicked, and I noticed two guys behind her who were like ten feet away. Maybe less pointing at her and do some hand gestures towards her. They gave me a really creepy wipe. 
As I was getting close to girl, I noticed she had scary face on, like she was about to cry, but didn't cry, so I pulled over close to her and said very quietly, Are you in trouble? And she just looked at me and noted with head nodding. I told her to get in car, and she did. I told her I'm going to gas station to get some cigarettes, but I will take her home as soon as I finish buying cigarettes. She thanked me for like hundred times. I asked if she wanted to go to report it to police, but she said only to take her home. I went to gas station and bought me a cigarettes and bottle of water for her. She was clearly in fear. I took her home after that. We passed the same street where those two guys followed her, but those guys are never to be seen. Imagine if I didn't run out of cigarettes that night. When I was a kid, probably around 12, 13, my mom moved out to this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Like we couldn't get internet middle of nowhere. It was a property with 13 acres, a dilapidated barn and horse corral that had overgrown weeds and, of course, the main farmhouse. At night, there was no lights other. Then the one in the front yard to show that our electric was working. My room had a window that faced the horse corral. One night I woke up in the middle of the night. It was a full moon. I looked out my window and beside one of the fence posts of the corral, there was a girl standing there. She was wearing a nightgown and rubber boots. She was facing my window. From there, things got worse. The TV we had in our basement would turn on and off randomly. My mom would hear an old radio playing in the middle of the night. My stepmom would go out to the barn to smoke. One time she was in there, she, her, a uh, girl say her name, she thought it was me. But at that time, I was at my dad's house in the city. When I would wake up in the middle of the night to pee or to get water, I would feel like someone was watching me. If I looked into our living room, it felt like someone was watching me through the window. One day, my stepmom and I were walking down the hallway, and we both saw a nightgown go into the bathroom. No one was in there when we checked. This all came to a head when one night I woke up randomly again in the middle of the night. I used to keep my room door open, and it would look out to the hallway of our house. I was laying in bed, unable to fall back asleep, when as clear as day, I heard a girl whisper my name. At first, I thought it was a noise my sheets made when I moved. I tried recreating the noise, but it didn't work. Then I looked out into the hallway, and standing in my doorway was a dark figure of a girl wearing a nightgown. I stared at it and unable to move. I turned on my bedside lamp, and no one was there. It looked everything in my body to run down the hallway into my mom's room, where I slept for the night. For unrelated reasons, we moved out of the house shortly after. With spooky season upon us, I decided to share a true story that happened to my mom. This is mostly anecdotal, so I will try to explain what my mom told me. When I was a teenager, my mom was a kitchen worker at a local junior high school. The school was pretty old and had many legends about death through the years. When she started there, the other workers would tell her stories about the school being haunted. She wasn't a believer until she encountered the most terrifying experience that shook her. The lunch period was over. They were all sitting at one of the tables having their lunch before cleaning up. 
Next to the main serving station was the storage closest. Inside was the cleaning supplies, and it had its own spray holes to clean the floors. As they were eating their lunch, they heard the hose in the closet turn on. They quickly ran to the closet to shut it off. When they opened the door, the hose was turned on full blast, and it was whipping around like crazy. One of the ladies stepped in to grab the hose. Once she stepped forward, the hose dropped in midair, turned directly towards her, and shot straight for her head. She quickly slammed the door before it hit her. They ran out so fast, completely terrified, without shutting the hose off. She was crying when she got home. She was so terrified. I went there myself after to explore and also had terrifying experiences with music coming over the PA system with the school empty. There are a lot more stories to share from that school. It has since been torn down and the school was rebuilt. I always wonder if that got rid of whatever was there or if that school is still haunted to this day. My wife and I had an experience yesterday, and I'd never have believed in the paranormal until now. I believed there was some sort of afterlife, but after this event, I'm a billion percent certain now. Our beloved dog princess, our baby, passed away in January a little before her 12th birthday. We both brought her up yesterday in conversation, and it brought tears to our eyes because of how deeply we love and miss her. Sometimes I feel like I hear the taps of her paws on the wooden floors, and I still get the feeling to look down to not trip over her when I walk around the house, and it makes me sad, but brings me comfort at the same time because it feels like she's still with us. I left the room, and apparently my wife asked our puppy to give us a sign to tell us that she's okay. I didn't know she did this until after the events happened. Well, a few hours later, we were watching TV, and I turned to the left to take my medicine, and I saw a small, bead-sized orb of light covered in white hairs, similar to a dandelion if the seed stems were white, too. It appeared right in my vision about two feet away and flew about a foot in one second away from me and vanished. I waved it off as a mosquito because it's been really bad here lately, and why the hell would I just assume I saw an orb anyways? I've been open to ghosts and UFOs in the past, but I've never seen any, so I don't quite believe yet and assumed it to be a natural explanation. An hour later, I brought some food back home, and as I sat down, it reappeared about a foot, and the foot had left off me, and I saw it immediately. And I saw every detail, each individual hair, down to the little glowing white spherical core. It traveled to the right about a foot, until it was six inches in front of my chest when it vanished into thin air. My first thought was that it was a fuzz, but a fuzz doesn't fly against the wind current of our AK. A fuzz also doesn't have a glowing white spherical core. It finally clicked in my dumb scientific skeptic brain, and I gasped and exclaimed, Babe, I just saw an orb. She turned to look at me with shock and said, you saw an orb too. I just saw one. She said it was white with blue hue, similar in size to the one I saw. In the corner up there on the ceiling, it was there for one second and then it vanished. She questioned if it could have been a reflection, but thought it wasn't possible at that spot away from the window with the black blinds closed. 
It was then that she told me that she asked our puppy to give us a sign that she's okay a few hours before, and we both realized that it must be our little pupper spirit. I am so skeptical that she had to appear twice. I understand that you'd have to see it to believe it, because that's the kind of person I am, but I was able to see the orb about six inches from my face, and it was so bizarre because it looked realer than real as it was three-dimensional and traveled a good distance as I locked my eyes onto it. I felt as if I could have grabbed it out of the air, but was absolutely gobsmacked and in shock. Anyway, it brought both excitement and peace in knowing that the afterlife is an absolute reality to me, now and that supernatural things are real and can happen. I hope other people can experience it because the videos all feel fake and it brought tears of joy to our eyes. I never write, but I have been reading so many stories on here, so I figure I would tell one of my own. Background. I live in a small town, but in the popular fancy neighborhood that everyone made sure to hit up on Halloween night because of full-size candy bars. My family lives on a dead end and in the deepest part of this small neighborhood, which contains my aunt's house, sister's, and mine. My house was the oldest house, as well as the first house to be built before the whole neighborhood, before it was all woods as far as I know. My aunt is very creative and artistic, so she turned this trail in her backyard to a secret garden. It was full of old angel statues, old bird fountain, a bench, and just a lot of woods. Me and my cousins always played in these woods when we were kids until we heard the old man. Note, by the garden, there was a super old shed made of tin, and it was there before my house. I'm guessing. Also, about 100 feet away, a slab of old busted concrete the size of another shed covered by a ton of leaves and dirt. Just thought I would add that. The beginning, I was around eight or nine years old, and after school, I wanted to go play at my cousin's house like I usually did. So I walked up to the driveway, and my older cousin, male, Twelve was playing with a basketball and stopped to ask me if I have heard the old man. I was obviously confused and asked what he was talking about. He then pointed at the secret garden and said, listen. So we went quiet, and in that instance all you heard was moaning like someone was in pain. After hearing it for over five minutes, I ran home as it never stopped. My cousin informed my aunt about the noises we were hearing, and she just thought it was nothing and brushed it off, since we were young and always played pretend in the woods. But the noise never stopped. It would grow louder or be very quiet, but never stop. The next day, my older cousin, male, 12, had a friend that lived in the next yard over, male, that had a unique name. He decided to cut through the woods, as he usually did, to get to my cousin's house, only to be stopped. He heard his name being called through the woods that went further back, and he was there for a few minutes, I'm guessing confused. My aunt noticed him. The kitchen window had a view of the garden, walking out and immediately dropped everything yelling and running to him, checking and making sure he was unharmed and okay, which freaked us out because she didn't believe us about the old man. The neighbor then said someone was calling for him in the woods groaning his name loud. 
He ended up getting homeschooled, even though his dad was a public school teacher, and he stopped coming over. At my house, our woods are connected, and in my backyard we have a huge shop my dad and his friend worked out of. My dad's friend was alone working in a shop with all the shop doors open and began to hear the moaning noise even over the machine equipment. So he walked down the hill to check out the noise and it stopped. He went back to work, heard the noise again, and this repeated several times before he just left. Soon after this, my aunt freaked out and called the police. The police heard the noise. All I remember is them saying is we didn't find a body or anything else after hours of searching our woods. This wouldn't be the first time the police were called either. At some point, the groaning stopped, maybe a week or two. When it started back, my aunt had called the police again to come and double-check. Again, they found nothing. My aunt was most likely terrified and try not to show it. She went around surrounded areas nearby a logging company. Other houses a mile away from the woods to try and get answers if they have heard it or if they are making the noises. Then my aunt started holding prayer groups with women from her church to come and pray over her home. This happened a few times. I remember seeing around nine women in a circle praying and holding hands over the yard for minutes. The moaning stopped and we never played in the secret garden again. I will never know the truth to what we heard. Hello, it's my first time writing something like this. I can't find any information regarding what my family is experiencing, but it's weird and happening more often. I live with my girlfriend and our three kids. Our house has two floors. The second floor has the rooms, and the first floor consists of the living room, bathroom, kitchen, and a small hall located behind our living room. Now, what is happening is that I'm a firefighter, which means I work in shifts and I have to work at night. When I'm at home, everything is calm. However, once in a while, we hear loud noises like something beating on an object or bags falling seemingly out of nowhere. It's rare, but does happen. On the first floor, both my girlfriend and I feel a very strong negative presence, particularly from the bathroom and the hallway. I usually close the bathroom door, which helps me feel at ease. Sometimes I feel like someone is watching my back, especially at night when everyone is asleep. The feeling is so strong that I often turn off the TV and go upstairs. Now, the worst part is that most of the activity occurs at night when I'm at work. My girlfriend and my kids feel really scared to go to the bathroom or the first floor. They say that they feel watched and have a sense of dread. My girlfriend and I avoid discussing these things with the kids around, so it's strange that they seem to see the same things. My girlfriend says that sometimes when she turns around, she sees in the hallway or in the dark a small, faceless black head that is always watching her. She even mentioned seeing a reflection of it when the TV turned off suddenly. My older child has also been saying that he sees a black head in the corners, watching him. He has never heard us talking about it. One night, all three of them woke up with nightmares, and they all screamed at the same time, saying that they saw a big shadow in the middle of their room. My girlfriend and I woke up with their screams, turned on the lights, but saw nothing. 
They manage to sleep with our presence, but the middle one is so scared that he pees in his bed instead of going to the bathroom at night. Last night, while I was at work and upon returning home, my girlfriend told me that she was in our bed with our older child, and out of nowhere, she saw a small shadow jump onto the older kid's bed. Our older child saw it too and said to her, See, I told you there was a shadow watching us. That's when she had chills. She also mentioned that during the night they heard loud knocking downstairs. At 3 a.m., our younger kid screamed in panic, and she saw a black, faceless head and some hands in the corner of the stairs, leading downstairs. At 7 a.m., she screamed again, saying that the black, shadowy head was now on top of her, watching, and that the face was a she. My girlfriend mentioned that the head is really common, but it only watches them and disappears once spotted. What could it be? What can I do? Thanks. Okay, so just to preface this, this was on Friday the 27th and my friend and I had smoked cannabis before going out to eat and catch a movie. So my friend and I are in line at BK and trying to decide if we want to split a meal or get separate meals. My friend orders her food and when I get to order I get straight as asked if we smoked weed. My first thought and question was, is it that noticeable? Now I could barely hear this guy because he was speaking low, but was asking about a certain strain that I could really care less about. But it gets to the point where he tells me how much I could get for a certain price point, which I said I would keep in mind. Now my friend, and so didn't spray any perfume or body spray, we normally do but completely forgot to. I get to the table my friend picked out and I start telling her about what just happened. Not even a minute after I sit down does this guy come over and pass me a folded up napkin of this weed to sample. Now my friend and I are just shocked in talking about this. I ended up putting the napkin in my bra because it was the only place I could. I had no pockets. This guy ends up coming to our table three, four more times within the span of 15-20 minutes. When I went up to get my food before these other encounters occurred, this guy had let me know that he got off at 7, 30 p.m., and asked if we wanted to hang out. I straight up said that my friend and I were on a date and were going to a movie straight after this. After I got my food, this guy stopped at our table to ask what movies were playing, what his name was. I don't remember what he said, just that it has something to do with California's state bird, and the other times I can't remember why he came over. He just spoke to me and not my friend, and I could tell this guy was trying to get some information on me. Now I am a very private person, and also a very cautious person. I could tell this guy was trying something, and I acted dumb, even though I knew what was going on. My friend had noticed uh, after the last time he came over that this guy was staring at me any time he passed by. I could tell he was staring at me because of the windows that made a reflection, because my back was to him. It got a point where I told my friend we need to hurry because this is making me uncomfortable. So we finished quickly and left. Now my friend and I did originally go to the movie theater, but decided to watch the movie at home because of how busy it was. 
When we decided to watch the movie at my place, we tried to hurry and leave because of the time, and that guy was going to be getting off any minute. I don't think I will be going to buck any time soon because my hair color is blue. It's very noticeable, and not many people have that color in my town. Plus, it's a smallish town. I hope to never meet this guy again, and if I do, I may have to have a backbone, especially if he acts like he did this time. Not a very interesting story, and also trying to tell this days later doesn't help. But that's my creepy encounter. I've been getting sleep paralysis since a kid, but the past two years, especially the past few months, have been crazy. I don't sleep for for days sometimes. I'm so tired all the time because I can't sleep peacefully. I've tried melatonin, nightlights, even giving my room and house a cleanse. I've seen many things and voices when having sleep paralysis, and also have had these things physically touch me aggressively. I wake up with fear, panic, and goosebumps all over my body every time. I'll list the things I've seen while having these episodes, if that's what they even are, baby on the edge of my bed. A man with an all-white tight suit, head to toe, including fitted mask with a red patch on his mask on the right side. A girl or woman with black hair who covers her face with it and wears a grungy tight gown or dress. She grabbed me by my wrist and left a bruise. A black figure hovering over me while seeing flashes of white light. Just two weeks ago, I was sleeping in bed, face down on my stomach. I don't sleep on my back. And I felt like someone got into bed with me, and I genuinely just thought it was my sister-in-law since we lived together. I remember looking over, and this woman was sitting next to me with black hair and white gown. She had her back towards me while she sat on my bed by my feet. That's when I felt I couldn't move. It felt like someone was on my back pinning me down while they held my wrist down to my bed. I started hearing this woman whispering in my right ear, but couldn't understand what she was saying. Then I was out of it, and again that feeling of panic or fear and goosebumps took over my whole body. It's to the point it's affecting my mental and physical health. I'd love to get help, but where do you get help for something like this? It's also to the point that it happens even when I just try to take a quick little nap. I can't rest, and I feel myself getting more drained every day. I don't know if I'll get answers here, but it feels nice being able to talk about it to someone at least.